Heartbreak. Wobble. Despair. Let down. Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. From the Mesmerized Studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your host, Robert Tate and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome back to this, another episode of Believe in Atlanta Sports. With me, your host, Robert Taylor, and with me, as always, the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, hello. And yes, uh, it, we're, we're sticking with our theme of being consistently inconsistent, but it's not our fault. Shit just keeps happening, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, if it ain't one thing, it's another. And I think what it is, is all the uh, the poor fans uh, in our fan base here in Atlanta, I think they're all gathering together and they're summoning all their negative juju and just kind of aiming it at us like Dragon Ball Z style to try to keep us down. But they're not going to win because guess what? Here we are right now doing another podcast. I know we've been off for a couple of three weeks maybe. And, uh, you know, it's not because we didn't want to. It's not because uh, we didn't discuss it. But, you know, uh, we always talk about me in the IT world. You never know when you may have to make a call or get out late. And I have a second job and we wanted to do one, but I got off and the restaurant business, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough life. And, and Mark was asleep. She's a fickle bitch. Yeah. And, and it's always, you know, I think you texted me last Wednesday and you're like, man, I want to get out of here, but I can't. I just, I can't get out of here. And I was like, well, you know what? We'll, 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 we'll keep plugging away and, and we're going to keep plugging away. And eventually we're going to get to a spot again to where we have enough time and, and, and everything to, and resources to, to get more consistent. But hey, at least we're consistently inconsistent. And that's all I care about right now. Actually, that's a lie. That's not all I care about right now because we got some Atlanta sports business to get down to and the only reason uh i was a little bummed about not being able to do a, a late night one is because i was going to lead off with like some uh some old commodores you know i was going to say there's going to be some sweet sounds going down on the night shift a la the atlanta braves bullpen as well but it's early evening on a wednesday which is when we normally try to get together but and that's how you know we're honest with you people because we could just tell you <laughs> it's late at night yeah, but it's not. So we're it's not. not. It's, it's just before six. Oh, I actually just after six now on a Wednesday. But so what do we got? Well, we've got the Atlanta Braves. That's what we're leading off with. I think that's probably the most important topic. Well, maybe for us, some of you are uh, worried about trying to run uh, Ritter out of town on a rail and trade for Justin Fields. I'm not even going to uh, dignify that with discussing it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Some of you are trying to run Carson Beck and Mike Bobo out of town on a rail. 
Not going to dignify that by discussing it. We've had talked about it before, but guess what? They're just fine. We will talk Auburn football in a minute, but I'm saying both those avenues, we're fine. I'm going to tell you why I think we're fine, and the commission is going to chime in too, but let's get down to business because playoff baseball is here. I think the Phillies are going to win out tonight, and we're going to square off. We get a rematch from last year's NLDS. I think that's going to happen, but I think it's going to be a little different this time. I know the Braves, uh, you know, are banged up on pitching, but everybody is. Uh, you, you know, the Phillies pitchers give up a lot of home runs. It just so happens we hit a lot of home runs. So we had an eight and five record against them in the regular season. I don't think it's going to be the same result as last year. Because the Braves are changing up a little bit. They're they're kind of playing simulated games right now. And they're letting fans into the stadium. And Austin Riley kind of spoke out on it and said he feels like it's uh it's better for them. He's enjoying it. It's kind of keeping them in a groove because it's not a death knell, but time off in baseball ain't good. I don't like that we got everybody was bummed, you know, uh, on Twitter before saying, Oh, we're not gonna get the number one seed, we're not gonna get the buy, we're not gonna get this and Man, the teams that keep playing are the teams that win a lot of times. Now, I've said long on this podcast, long, long now, long time now, that I feel like the Braves are a team of destiny this year. I just think they've been able to get it done. There's a different hero each night. There's a different hero each week. We've ran out just a litany of pitchers, and we've all been able to get the job done. We've had some surprise heroes, and we've had the resurgence of Marcelo Zuna. So I I feel good about it. That's a silly... That's a silly resurgence. The Marcelo Zuna story, just this year alone, you know, of all, like, just the amount of stories that there are on this team, just like the, it, it it's kind of baffling. Yeah. And I know we're really close to it and our fingers on the pulse of it. So, like, it, it seems a little crazier to us than it does to probably somebody in a different market, but. From where we went with Ozuna at the beginning, and obviously we we tried to temper, we didn't we didn't jump off the bridge with the rest of the people, but like, you know, it was still really annoying. It was still concerning early on, and and you know, even though you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, like you start to get a little bit worried and wonder if if anything's going to change, and to see where where it ended from where it started, it's such a drastic change, such an like a such a good year for anybody but to know where it came from is man what a cool story that is so you just said the magic word you said good year and here's what's going to happen even even if for whatever reason you know uh the bats go cold against the phillies or something because we've had some time off whatever you know you know the story about the team with the best record rarely ever wins at all mm-hmm. people will look at this season then as some sort of failure that those fans will be chirping and shouting. But let me just tell you why 2023, even without a world title, is still better than the 2021 season. This this was such a phenomenal, magical, wonderful season. We have just witnessed the single greatest season of Braves baseball in our lifetime, probably in the history of the franchise. And, and this isn't even all of them. You may have some that I'm missing here. Uh, I couldn't find the article. I was in bed late last night because I knew we were going to podcast today, brushing up and reading on on everybody. So this year, Ronald Acuna, he breaks Otis's season record for steals. He he broke it by one base, but then he joins, what would it be, the fifth guy to be a 40-40 man? 
Then he becomes the first 40-50 guy. Then he becomes the first 40-60 guy. Then he becomes the first 40-70 guy. Spencer Strider becomes the second Braves pitcher for as many years to be a 20-game winner. He breaks Smoltz's strikeout record for the season. Matt Olson breaks Andrew Jones' home run record for the single season. He breaks Eddie Matthews' RBI record for a single season. The team ties the Minnesota Twins for most home runs in a season at 307. It's unbelievable. And I'm going to ask you this. When do you think, if ever, because I didn't look this far, an MLB franchise has had a Cy Young winner and an MVP on the same team in the same year? Because that's probably going to happen. If if Acuna doesn't win, the uh, I told you, I'll burn Chavez Ravine to the fucking ground. I'll, I'll buy your ticket. Mookie had one amazing month. Ronald's been good all year. I don't know how that's going to go down. But Spencer Strider, hands down, 20-game winner and, and all those strikeouts, he's got to be the favorite for the NL Cy Young. I, I don't see how he doesn't get it. Mookie stole six, what did he steal, 50, 57 less bases? But he did play shortstop for a little while, so like if that if that's what changes it, I man, I don't know. That yeah, would, it, it's got to be Ronnie. Like I, I can't yeah. fathom it not being Ronnie, especially if they they go far if they go deep into the playoffs, and and especially if they win the World Series. But this just in: the Rangers have advanced. They beat the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. They're they're moving on like to the ALDS. Uh, I I think the I think the uh, the D backs are going to take down the Brewers tonight. I think the, all these wild card series. I don't think a single one's going to go three games. Maybe Minnesota, Toronto. Minnesota snapped an 18 game postseason losing streak last night by beating the the Jays. But I want to get back to that. All these records, and I and I'm, I swear I think I'm still missing a, a couple. But to have that many records fall. And to have Acuna do what he did and Strider do what he did and, and really just the pitching staff and the bullpen with the injuries and, and just kind of this mixed bag of different guys showing up. Nobody talked about Smith Shawyer in, in, in spring training. Nobody talked about Darius Vines in spring training. There was Schuster and Dodd, and they've been a little spotty. Elder has become kind of an anchor. He's been roughed up in some outings, but it happens. You know, uh, the, the Braves are being tight-lipped about Freed. Not sure what's going on there. We know Charlie's got the blister thing with his finger. He'll be back for the NLCS. So, but but still, with everything that happened during the regular season and what we saw, if we don't win the World Series, it, it is still one of the most wonderful seasons of Braves baseball I have ever. No, not I have ever. It is. It is hands down the best season of Braves baseball I've ever seen. It was is crazy what these guys did. A hundred percent. And you get we we live in the area era where. Uh, where people say, you know, Super Bowl or bust, World Series or bust, like that. And I understand what you're saying, but like those things are like get to the get to the Super Bowl or bust because your team is not built to only be in the playoffs. Your team is built to go through the playoffs. But only one of the two teams can win that. So it's a 50-50 chance every single time that your team's going to win or the other team's going to win. So I get I get why people say that, um, but I don't. It's very hard to argue. It's it's not very hard to fathom that there would be people who would throw the whole season in the toilet if it doesn't come along with a World Series ring because those are individual accolades and and yada 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 and blah 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 blah. But I, watching this unfold. 
all year long has been so crazy and so fun and probably the most engaged I've been in a single baseball season the entire way through, probably in 20 years. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Locked in all year. The Braves' home record was exactly the same as their away record. So, now we stunk at home early in the season, but I'm not worried about home field advance because we did just as good on the road as we did here. And the only thing, and I said this to people all along, uh, everybody's had some pitching trouble this year, but I said we're going to club our way to a world title because you can't outscore us. I mean, we have been. The Marlins, boy, 16-2. to two. But I, I just think it's it's just in them this year. I don't think they can be denied. They And they've had this attitude before, but they've never been out of a game this year, really. No. And again, except for there are some exceptions, obviously, you know, but but in these close games, if it's a close game, never say die in, until the last out. I don't care if it's the eighth inning. I don't care if it's the ninth inning with two outs. Never say die on this Braves team. And they believe it, and they believe in one another, and they have the chemistry, and, the, and they play hard for Snit. They play hard for one another. And, and the chemistry, I would argue, is some of the best chemistry as a franchise I've seen in any any club. I don't care if it's NHL, NFL, NBA, ever. This group of guys, they are all dialed in. They're all on the same page between Snicker and Thopolis and, and the rest of the Braves organization. They've got a big group of happy ball players. Well, and the cool part, too, is you, you look at you look at uh, 2021 and what that was, right? And then you then you lose players the next year. You lose players, and now now we're here. But you have a, a year with all the new players under their belts, right? Everybody got to to play together. And and last year we were still really good. We just didn't we didn't get to, the job done at the end. Now it's it's a totally different feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna I I don't like to put this in comparison because I don't think anything will ever be like this again. But uh when Georgia won the first national championship same year like that that feeling that year that things had changed i didn't get that feeling from the Braves that year that was just a that that was just an amazing run right that's how i feel about the Braves this year though like that similar feeling to where you watch and you're like it, even if you get beat 16 to 2 you're you're not like fuck we're done you know <laughs> you you're just like all right well we'll just Chop that one up. It's a long season. Yeah. Well, I'm not worried about anybody beating us in a series, I, and I'm still not worried about that. Like, that's not a fear. Can it happen? Sure. Am I worried or, like, very concerned about it? I'm not at all. This team is just it, ridiculous, and now they're about to go into the playoffs together. So hopefully this little tiny bit of time off, and and I know what you're saying about, you know, you want to keep everything yeah. going, but, but maybe, you know, we did get we a little banged up, so maybe – Maybe they need a break for a minute. Maybe a couple days is not as bad as, you know, the two-week layoff or the, the the playoff layoff in football where you have to wait and wait. And uh, I'm truly excited to see what happens on Saturday. And that's what I was saying earlier that I liked about the idea that they came up with this year. Uh, and I don't know if we're the only team that's done it, but so far the best I can tell we're the only ones that are doing it is they're playing simulated games. I mean, they were, the out, minor leagues. They were out there in, in – full uniforms not cutoffs they were playing they had crowd noise like you know fans could you had to sign up you had to sign up on on the Braves website but they brought people out and they are simulating a game-like atmosphere last year they just had time off and it was hey maybe you want to come down to the bottom of the stadium and, and take some BP maybe we'll get washed to do some fungos and take some you know 
they didn't stay in it. This year they're staying in it. And again, we could drone on and on, but that, that, but that's another part of the good feeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, they changed up their postseason strategy. They're they're staying active. They're they're simulating games. And I'm just telling you, it just feels like one of those years where the best team because it does happen. Statistically speaking, it doesn't, but it does happen where the best team in baseball just can't be denied, and they win the whole thing. And I just see. I think that's where they're where we're at. The Phillies have some postseason experience. The Astros are having Verlander struggling. Even if we play them, if we if the Twins can actually get to the World Series, they're young, they're inexperienced, they got a relatively new coach. The Why, Orioles. When you say Verlander and Twins, do I immediately think Kate Upton? Yeah, right. <laughs> She's got a nice set of Twins. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. Nice um. So yeah, and you know, uh, what are the Braves going to do in the off season? I don't know yet. I'm not even ready to talk about that yet because the season's not over. I know that uh, everybody's, uh, you know, wondering, are we going to lock up Max long-term? Will the Braves meet his demands? Blah, 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 blah. We'll talk about that later. Right now, what we're focused on is bringing home what I call it all the time, the big enchilada. We want to see that world title uh, trophy come back to Atlanta in another parade. So that there you have it. All I can tell you and and I know we, we've said this a million times, is if you look at a Major League Baseball season, there are guys, if you include spring training, and let's just say the NL uh, wild card went all three games, and the NLDS went all five games, and the NLCS went all seven games, the World Series went all seven games, you're looking at close to 200 baseball games. You know what's wear and tear? I don't care if you're 22 years old and you're fit as a fiddle. If you play in close to 200 baseball games an entire year, guess what? You're gonna have some shitty hitting slumps. You're gonna have dings. You're gonna, you know, it's not just the Braves. Everybody's tired. Everybody, but you, you know, they call it in wrestling intestinal fortitude. You just got to get up for a playoff run. You know, some guts. And I will backtrack a little bit. Uh, the thing with Ozuna, man. Look, I, I even said it. Like, you know, maybe it's time he goes somewhere else and gets a fresh start. Maybe he's done here. But what didn't happen? Now. Well, what did happen is most assuredly the Braves tried to shop him. I think at one point they were like, mm, what do we do? But when they finally figured out or, or kind of just, you know, from the phone calls they were getting that they probably weren't going to be able to unload him, they said, well, we're with him. Yeah. This is what we're dealing with. Bryce Snicker never turned his back on him. His teammates never turned his back on him. His coaching staff, no one turned – that now – there may have been players on the team that were like, oh, I don't know, man, this guy's a weak spot for us. They would never say that to his face. They would probably say that at home in their living room or whatever. But they always they picked him up, they cheered him on, and, and now he's uh, somewhere along the way. He earned this moniker as the Big Bear, and I think you're going to see some pretty cool shit from the Big Bear in the playoffs because, hey, if you don't think Marcel Ozuna is not a competitor and you don't think he knew what needed to be done, then you're wrong. He's got a competitive fire. He knew he was letting his team down. He knew he needed to improve. He knew he needed to get better, and he did. He just slapped, did it. I work with a guy, uh, Brady Brooks, all season. He never gave up on him. Even in April, I'm talking to him. He's like, that's my guy. He's going to bounce back. That's my dude. Probably the only guy in Atlanta that said that. But I hear he did. Said it the whole time. He's like, watch watch what he does. He's going to come back. And he did. So good for him. Good for you, Brace. But I, it, all you guys that were on Twitter, I better not see you fucking wearing those Big Bear playoff shirts now. You better not be over there with your Big Bear, you know, hat and, 
you know, I don't want to see five people in the stands dressed up like bears that were shitting on him earlier in the year, but that is how it works in Atlanta. Everybody's singing his praises now. Uh, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, it definitely is. But l- listen, it's it's a it, the postseason is the postseason. It's going to be what it's going to be. But at the end of the day, you have to take your hats off to the entire organization and this Atlanta Braves team because what a thrill it was in the regular season to watch these guys just never say die. They came two games, technically three games shy. The the league or the franchise record is 106 wins in 98. We got 104. We tied the home run record because of Ozuna, too. Mm-hmm. Hit two. We needed three in the last game. He hit two of them. Yeah. So I'll take a tie. But, again, and, and I don't think this is a, a, an all-inclusive list of, of the records that fell on this Braves team this year. You can go do your own homework. But I, I came with some. And, and just that body of work there is still pretty impressive. For one team in one season? Unbelievable. It's a lot of records to fall, man. That, that don't happen every year. That's special. So – I got the Braves going to the World Series. I couldn't tell you in the American League. Uh, I, I said early on, maybe Braves-Rangers. That'd be a really wild series, boy, because uh, we got Wash on the staff, and, you know, he took those Rangers teams uh, to back-to-back World Series um, back in the early 2000s. So that would be pretty interesting to see him kind of go up against his old club. I'm really scared, though. I'm, I'm really scared that uh, we may be seeing the end of the Ron Washington era in – Atlanta, I hate to admit it, but there's always teams that need a new manager. They're always looking. Buck Showalter's not coming back to New York. Is Wash the kind of guy to go to New York? I don't know. He yeah. lives in New Orleans. Atlanta's close, but don't think they won't knock on his door. He He's done wonders with infielders. He's a great coach, great personality. And they'd love to pull a chink. <clears throat> yeah, great manager. I don't know. I would like to think that Wash is old enough and he, and he loves what he's built here and he's happy and, and just – you know, smoking his uh, Newports and drinking his wild turkey and hanging out in New Orleans, and he goes up to Atlanta to play some ball, and he goes back home. But I don't know. Uh, there's always that chance. I thought he was going to go to Oakland last year. He didn't go. I thought. Does he gamble? You know, I don't. He know. might go now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I hope we keep him. He's probably one of my favorite coaches in Atlanta sports history. Just such a character. His tw- if you're not following his Twitter, oh my god, get get on it now. It's it's his Twitter feed is funny as hell. That's a that's a fun rabbit hole to go down. <clears throat> yeah. So, I I hope we keep him, but he's a guy that I think uh with the right opportunity comes along, you could see him leave uh man, I just uh we're not going to talk about that. We'll, we'll yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we'll we leave get that to alone. It. But Next thing we got to talk about, we're going to talk about our Atlanta Falcons, um, and Yeesh. and it's been tough. Um, I almost wanted to text you. You're going to cringe a little bit when I say this. Well, you're going to cringe when I say what I got to say. But I, I think Arthur's seat is on low. Uh, no, that doesn't make me cringe. Not hot. Not not. But the, I think there. I think. I, w- I won't say he's – let's say he's not on a seat. I will just say there is some concern building. Now, what I will say is is I'm not on the Ritter's not the guy boat. I do think he should have had more snaps in the preseason. I do think they hung on because Tampa Bay kind of let Atlanta hang around at the top of the division last year. They kind of rode with Mariota too long. But right now, Desmond Ritter's complete – NFL resume is four games at the end of an awful season. 
not an awful season, but a subpar, not very good season. Well, uh, better than better than we should have been, but not as good as we wanted to be. And, and a and a and and a a rough start to the season this year. Now two and two, we're still in it. Uh, but I'm I don't know. From what I've seen, it it just seems like he's maybe he understands the playbook, but some people have said maybe Arthur Smith doesn't want to groom a quarterback. A young quarterback. I don't know. I think what well, that's that's a weird assessment of the situation because if Arthur Smith didn't want to groom a young quarterback, then they would have probably done something else. Yeah, they probably they probably would have gone a much different route. There there were there were people you could have gone to get to where he didn't have to worry about that. I don't know that that is the issue, but there are there are question marks. There are big question marks. Uh, the first one being, uh, in my opinion, the offensive line. Because uh, I have not given up on Ritter yet, but in the last two, the last game specifically, those back-to-back interceptions were so unbelievably difficult to watch because you know, the first throw was was bad. The pick six was bad. Um, the, there was open, I forget who was open in the flat, but... You, you could have easily gone to the flat on that one, but you literally stared Drake down the whole way. Can't do that. And then then you delivered a ball slightly behind him, and that went for six. So then you come back, and you do the same exact thing to Kyle Pitts. Both routes jumped the same way. Every bit of it the same and so, for me, I he got throttled against the line. Sacked, what, seven times? You know he's out there seeing ghosts. Yeah. The offensive line is not doing him any favors. I, I'm also leaning on the fact that the play calling... Now, I, I want to be... I want people to understand what I'm saying here. I, I, I know you have to try to do things to make the offensive offense move as a whole. I don't understand why we're why we're past first. If you're trying to get him comfortable in a game, I get it. I think there's an easier way to do that um, than what we're currently doing because we're 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 putting ourselves in just uh, where we can't utilize our strength, which is definitely the running game. We have a game breaker animal beast in Bijan Robinson. Just. But we also have that in Kyle Pitts and Drake London. So I understand get them the ball. But we have a guy that that's shown you already that can get the game going on the ground, okay? We're, we're throwing screen passes to him. We're getting him in space. The same thing needs to happen for Kyle and for Drake. If if it works for Bijan in, in the backfield, you can easily throw the bubble screens. You can do those type of things on the outside. Just, just as easily with those guys. I don't, I, I don't understand where the disconnect there is. So I'm not, I'm not going to get rid of Ritter yet. Do I? Do I think there's cause for concern? Very much so. Very, very much so. Um, and and only because, only because of the way things are happening. Now he came back, and in the second half looked like a different quarterback. Yeah, we're not going to have a successful season if we shit the bed in the first half and then. And then do well to to try to come back from that every game. That's a that Aaron Murray Georgia shit where we go down early and then watch him do every possible thing he can 
to get us when they let them throw the ball in the second half to get us back within uh, one score and then lose every one of those games. I I don't want that to be what our season is going to be. But right now, I just I can't tell. I can't tell if you are just you you won't give up on the offensive line being better than it actually is, and you're going to keep giving them the benefit of the doubt, or if you're going to keep giving Ritter the benefit of the doubt. But like, if for God's sakes, just for <laughs> for the sake of the team play to the strength. We we did that when we had Mariota and we knew that he wasn't going to be throwing the ball very very far or very well. You you ran the ball. You ran the ball, you ran the ball. There's one play where we I think it was like an 80-yard drive where we ran the ball every single play and we scored a touchdown on that drive. Now, now what I am going to tell you is that if we run the ball that effectively, then the pass blocking improves just because so you run the play action off of of running the ball successfully and and then he's not having to look stare down a target and, and try to force feed it then you you usually have people that come open in these scenarios but again now everybody's watching now everybody has cause for concern and and now like you said people people are talking about Arthur Smith and his decision making and why didn't he play more in the preseason why do we think that he um, he was ready to go, and why was he so adamant about him being the starter? And you're questioning everything where, you know, it's still the same guy that overachieved the past two years. So I'm not I'm not ready to, to give up on anything, but no. I also talked about the fact that, you know, we have to see what he is this year. And if we're learning that he's not it, then great. Then we're, we're finding that out. But I also... Like there, there are other things at play here. Like the the offensive line to me is is a big deal. Got a, the whole the whole rookie guard, undersized center combination thing, is rearing its ugly head again. Like seven sacks in one game. Like for for the love of God, you can only be so mad at the guy. <clears throat> you you can't be mad at Desmond Ritter, and I'll tell you why. Do you think if John Elway gets sacked seven times, he's going to be successful? Hell no, no. Tom Brady, nobody. Exactly. You can't. And listen, Peyton Manning threw more interceptions than anybody ever in NFL history in his first year in the league, and he played a full season. Desmond Ritter now has only played a half a season. So Atlanta's not all of them. Some of Atlanta. There's a guy on Twitter the other day I thanked because he said he wasn't giving up on Ritter. He has a half a season of NFL play under his belt. That's it. Right. And and guess what? Arthur Smith has never been a head coach before. Now, you can be a great offensive mind. You can be a great O-line coach, quarterbacks coach, whatever the fuck. You still are going to learn some lessons because Arthur Smith had ideas of what he wanted to do. And if you don't think Arthur Smith is leaving some games going, well, that does not work. (laughs) This is not going to play in the end. He's still growing. This is his first real – like they talk about college coaches, you know, hey – Kirby finally got all the Rick's guys out of there. Or Mark Rick finally got all the last coaches guys out of Miami. They all talk about that. This is his first real season with his, with the people and the pieces he wants in place, I think. So I still think you got to give him a little slack. And listen, starting 2-0 and then dropping 2, it's not the end of the world. Now, do we need the Texans game to be a get-right game? Yeah, I, I think we need to win that game. I think we need to win that game. Don't need to win in a convincing fashion. 
we just need to get out of there with a win. We need to contain C.J. Stroud because, uh, you know, the Texans are 2-2, two and two, but they're saying he looks pretty sharp as a starter. He sure does. You know, nobody doubted his talent, but... It's a banged-up offensive line over there in Houston, I, too. So. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't raise some questions, but I still think at 2-2, two and two, it's a little early. I still think with eight games under his belt, it's a little early. You want people to develop fast. You want people to progress fast. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. So I really think we've got to. Well, look at look at two things here. Look what happened when we played the the Packers, and then we played the Lions, and the Lions got after us. But then the very next week, the Lions got after the Packers. You know what I'm saying? So like the the Lions are a good football team. The Lions are showing everybody that they're. Good. And by the way, who the fuck gave the Detroit Lions permission to get good? That's I didn't. Did you? Did you write the league office? I didn't write them. I think they. I think. <laughs> I think the NFL had to somehow work it out in the script that they were going to be good in order for Matthew Stafford to get to L.A. I think yeah. that was part of the plane. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, we live in a world where the Lions are good again. But it's been a while. Detroit fans deserve it, though. But also. I, I also really, truly, 100% dislike playing in London. I, yeah. I really do. I don't know why it bugs me so much, mostly because of the season ticket thing where they call it a home game for the Falcons and I just lose out on a yeah. on a home game here. Um, at least this year it was an away game. But, I, you know, those were two, those are two games that if I had, I picked for the Falcons to lose preseason, okay? So, I don't like how we lost. I don't like that our defense played well enough to keep us in the game. And, you know, some of the points we gave away were we gave away. It wasn't even on our defense. So, man, there's still so much more football to be played. It's still so early in the season that I, I can't jump off a cliff. Was it very disappointing to watch? Yes. Yes, it is because I have such high hopes and it's so... They're so fun to watch when they're clicking and when they're rolling, and I it just I just want more of that. And I don't like I don't like after all the talk coming into the season where we're sitting in a place again where we have uh, two more sacks against us or double the sacks against us than we do against other teams. That that was something I was really hoping was going to change a little bit this year, and hopefully that that's something that is in progress because the defense as a whole is not playing bad i just want to get after the damn quarterback yeah that's and it's been a struggle but here's the thing about desmond ritter it's nothing that can't be fixed if he's eyeing down receivers too long and not running through his progressions and checkdowns and, and just kind of selling the play to the to the, the defensive backs you can fix that right when well, that's not that's not you can tell them it's not like oh des been doing this his whole career yeah. he's just been watching his watching his primary receiver the whole time like Dude, man, he probably doesn't want to make any more mistakes. You know, he just got beat. This he got the shit beat out of him against Detroit, and now this game. Now he's throwing multiple picks in a game. Like the dude's probably a little tiny bit rattled. He's a rookie, right? But he's a yeah. In that scenario, he's probably a little bit rattled. He's a rookie with eight games under his belt, and and this is the only thing I'm going to say. The only thing you're going to hear me say about fucking Justin Fields. The Bears have lost 13 motherfucking games in a row. And you assholes want to bring him to Atlanta. I'm, you can talk about his O-line. 
But you want to watch a, a sloppy quarterback? Watch Justin Fields. Have you watched him any at all? You want to talk about going through progressions and check downs and just looking sloppy and poor QB play? It's up there in Chicago. Don't tell me he's the answer to Atlanta's problems when he can't even win. I'm not telling you he's the answer. Oh, and 13. But it would be fun to watch. And Ryan Clark goes on ESPN and says we'll be a thousand times. No. He's having the same struggles. Justin Fields is not that good. He had an amazing game against Denver that he lost. He could not lead his team and maintain a lead, and it's on the defense too. But he couldn't lead his team to victory. 13 straight losses. I don't care. Fuck that guy. I don't want him here. He went to Harrison High it's School. That's personal. great. But, it, well, every, everybody just always – now they're talking about, do, do we try to get C.J. Stroud? We've got to do this. We've got to do this. At the first sign of trouble – you fuckers tuck tail and run, and I've, I've had it. You know, everybody knows I've had it. And, and, and if you actually, if you actually believe that we can trade for Justin Fields and he'll come here and right the ship and launch us into Super Bowl championships, you're an idiot. You don't know the game of football. Period. You're not watching enough of it. He's he's not the he's not the answer. There are literally people out there in the world right now that think he's just the the, the cure all. The magic pill that if you bring him to Atlanta with B. John Robinson, we're instantly just going to whip everybody's ass and run off into the sunset and be champions. You get Paul oh. Johnson in here and you run the triple option. What? what? Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, that's that's my tire. Seriously though, do you do you, do you not think Justin Fields is better than Desmond Ritter though? Hey, look, it's no secret that I said all along I didn't like the Ritter pick and I wasn't convinced he was going to be the guy. But I said, you know what? My team picked him. My organization, my coach, my GM, they picked him. I'm riding with him. And all I'm saying now is it's still not time to call it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and no, I actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer your question. And be it foolish or not, no, at 0 13, I don't think. At 13 straight losses, no, I don't think Justin Fields is better. Because if he was better, he'd have some wins on the board. And I get it's not all him, and everybody will talk about O-line, but some of it is him. He's supposed to be this game-breaker that can just step into action and take over a game. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen him flashes of brilliance, but he's been very inconsistent and a very poor quarterback in the pocket. There's no arguing. No one can argue that with me. It's, it's happening. It's happened right in front of our eyes. Sports writers everywhere are talking about his poor vision downfield, his, his poor progressions, his poor checkdowns. All of it. He's grading out poorly. Now, maybe he's not in the right system because that is a big part of it. A quarterback's success, I've said this before, Tom Brady would not be Tom Brady if he doesn't land in New England with Bill Belichick and all those guys. You know what I mean? 100%. So maybe that's what Fields needs. I don't know. I'm just not sold that he's this magic pill that everybody talks about. So hypothetically. I don't like his attitude either. Okay. Hypothetically, though, Desmond Ritter has a less than favorable season. The Falcons miss the playoffs. We get into a situation where the Bears have the first and second pick in the draft. They're going to take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. and just restart the whole thing. And Justin Fields is offered up for a second rounder next year and a third rounder the year after. Do you take the trade? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just I'm just saying. I just heard some hypotheticals today, so I figured I'd share them because I I personally think that 
one not giving up on Dez yet. Not I don't I don't want to do that because it it would be better for everything if Dez is who they think he is, right? Yeah, better for the team, better for everything. Do I think it would be an insanely dynamic offense with Justin? Sure. Like the idea, it's it's some Madden shit. Some the 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 ideas, uh, the possibilities dancing around in my head of what they could do and and what Arthur Smith could do with like a real running quarterback uh, with an offensive line that's a primary a, a better run blocking offensive line than a pass blocking offensive line. Uh, yeah, it's it's intriguing. I'm not I'm not looking to ship the kid out, but I would not be mad if it happened either. So. That's where I'm at. I'm I'm not giving up on them, but if somebody said tomorrow that uh, Desmond Ritter and a second-round draft pick got traded for Justin Fields, I'd be like, sweet, let's see what's up. I'd like to have those one and two picks and draft the two biggest, baddest O-linemen you've ever seen and say, fuck anybody that has a problem with it. Because clearly, clearly now, what is this, going on five years, every season we talk about the offensive line at some point, like how – is it coaching? What is it? It's size. Clearly, we need to get bigger. Well, so you, we're in a situation now, and I'm, I talked about this. Like it, when when you get Kyle Pitts there, you're in a position to take. Uh, I think who was the offensive lineman that year? Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell. So like that year, you know, you know, my eyes were were huge for Michael Parsons and Kyle Pitts because. To me, they were the shiniest toys out there. But then I also was like, man, I would love, 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 love for us to get an offensive lineman. I know it's never going to be a sexy pick at all, but like, I'd much rather have a quarterback be able to stand in a pocket and throw a football yeah. than, than not and, and watch all our sexy picks run around empty-handed because we can't throw a football because we're... And on the ground, there's talent there. Uh, and I've said it before. I did not get to see the London game. I'm not going to lie. I didn't get up to watch it at 9 o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to. I didn't go out Saturday night or anything. I just said, I don't fucking care enough to watch 9 a.m. London football. Does that make me a bad fan? Maybe. But I made the choice. I didn't watch the game. Um, but, you know, I know the, the games I have seen, I, I, especially that Green Bay game where, you know, Pitts didn't seemingly get involved until towards the end. I think they got to figure out a way to incorporate those guys in there, especially if you think he's the best talent on the field, a la Brock Bowers in the Auburn game. Because they finally woke up and said, why don't we get the ball to our best player and let him go win it? And I'm not saying he's the best player. I'm just saying I think you got to figure out how to get the ball to him more. We saw him at Florida. He was, you know, he, he could he bust some games open. He could make big plays. He was electric. He was explosive. He had a good rookie season, but I, I just don't think he's being utilized to his to his full potential or the team's full potential. I just, I just don't. I don't pretend to know everything about football either, but I, I honestly don't think that, you know, Arthur Smith used tight ends a lot in, in blocking schemes, and that's not why you drafted mm-hmm. yeah. Kyle Pitts. That's not at all why you drafted Kyle Pitts. And not to say that blocking is not a part of your job, because it is, but, you know, I see, I I see Pitts in the slot. I see Pitts like move move him out, move him where you need to move him. Like he can he can play on the opposite side of Drake. He can he can he can play anywhere on the field. That's how good he. Is. What's the, but that's that's the problem. So like the it's the it's the same. 
I, I'd have to go back and rewatch all these games, but it, it just seems like the same thing over and over. And then, you know, there's inevitably that one fucking play where he's wide open and the ball goes sailing left, right, or, or, or over his head. And you're just like, just one time, one time hit that unicorn in stride and let him go horn first into the fucking end zone. For God's sakes, that's all I want to see. Just that, and, and we're, the big plays, I heard Kirby talk about dynamic plays. Like that's something Georgia's talking about is is really connecting on their dynamic plays and making those count. Like the Falcons need to do that because we're we're finding ourselves in third and pretty long quite often. And, and, and teams are teeing off on us. Play it behind the sticks. Yeah, but and teams are teeing off on us because they, they we've already in four games – We've given people a blueprint of how to get to us. You know what I mean? We've shown people how to do that because we're not establishing our run game early enough. And again, I, I don't get paid the big bucks. All I know is I watched a team overachieve by focusing on the run game, and we've only improved our team from that moment, and we're not focusing on the thing that got us there. And that's all I want to see because I I can I I have I know in my heart that if that's what you focus on and you establish that run game, that all the things that everybody wants will be open for us. We'll be able to utilize everybody better. You know, you don't have to stare down Drake London and throw at him in one-on-one coverage with Jair Alexander. And almost, man, that's that was a, we lost a pick six, they lost a pick six. But, like, I'm, I'm watching this happen way too often. And it reminds me of, of when everybody was like, does, does Matt Ryan have to throw the ball to Julio? Like, do they do they tell them you must throw the ball to Julio? Because there was a while there that he, it was just like there's no reason he should be throwing the ball to him. Yeah. But it just it seems like you know, I I can't imagine that the plays are drawn up to only be thrown to one person. There has to be some sort of progression. But it yeah, uh, we just need to get to a place to where that that's comfortable for him to go through his progression. Because if he's staring him down to get rid of the football, it's probably because he's gotten drilled a few times and he's just ready yeah. to get that ball out of there and again it's easy for us to look at a play and go jesus he was wide open then be in the field in the action we all know that they're doing it but to carson beck yeah but 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 we also know that sometimes a guy doesn't go another guy's way because he's and we don't know this but he hey he's running the wrong route i can't he's not going to be where I'm, i need to put the ball or I can't trust him as a receiver. There's a whole thing, mess of things that can happen to where a guy just kind of gets fixated on, hey, if I try to get it to him, he's our best player. You know, he's going to catch it, whatever, whatever. These are, I, I think everything wrong with the Falcons, four, four games into a seven-game season, by the way, is fixable with watching some tape and, and practicing and getting you know getting after it. I think it's fixable. I don't I don't think we're just rotten tea. And you know what? Maybe maybe we only win nine games this year instead of instead of the eleven I predicted. And we only go improve by two games. Cause you still gotta say, third year head coach, first time ever being a head coach. First year D coordinator. Not 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 in the league, but for the Falcons. He's got new person what do they got like fourteen new defensive players, some stupid like that, sixteen, some crazy. New group of guys are better. Young quarterback. Uh, there has been some scuttlebutt around that that maybe Ritter needs a real QB coach in there, like a real for real 
guy, you know, a QB whisperer. I don't know how much Matt Ryan's hanging around the, the facilities and the sidelines, but maybe he needs more coaching and guidance. But I, I just, and again, you you know it was going to happen. We both predicted it. The, the, the whole bridge jumping fan base that is the Atlanta Falcons, oh, the, the first sign of trouble, everybody just gets, you know, they they get on the edge of a, a bridge over 285 and they just take a, a nosedive and, well, it's over. Get them out of here. Let's, and that's what I hate that, uh, how professional sports has turned out now. And we'll, and we'll, we'll kind of segue into Georgia with this because if you're not out there beating the shit out of everyone every week, then you're not good for some reason or you won't three-peat or you won't improve on your record from last year and you've got to get Ritter out of there because he's not doing it right now, right away, and that's not NFL football. That's not college football. It's not. There is a learning curve and you have to let it Teams do get better throughout the season. Exactly. That happens too. So with that being said, everyone, the Boo Birds and all the emotional in your feels fans were like, "We Auburn, what? It's over. We're not going to three-peat now. Did we win? Did we win that football game? I, 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 I think we won. Did we, did, we, did we not win? We, we certainly did. Did, did. did we show wherewithal? Did we hang tough? Did we keep our composure? Did we do the things championship football game football teams do to win games that like that? Did we do all the things? We did all of them. Now, the one thing that I was finally happy to see is, holy shit, we finally found Brock Bowers. And I think you're going to see more of that against Kentucky and for, later down the season. And all the Gary Danielsons and, and all these people of the world are saying, oh, you know, the NFL is going to notice how he blocks. Well, of course they're going to pick up on that. But right now, when that offense trots out onto the field, the best player, the game breaker, I'm talking to, because you saw it, Brock Bauer single-handedly won that game for us against Auburn. He had some help because he had to get the ball delivered to him. But some of those plays, he just bulldozed his way and drugged people for seven or eight yards. He put the team on his back and said, let's get out of here with a win. Let's go home and let's get better. You're going to see a better Georgia team this Saturday night under the lights in Athens versus Kentucky. Everybody's jumping, you know, on the on the high uh, Kentucky bandwagon now because they beat Florida three years in a row, but they've beat a shitty Florida team three years in a row. I get it. Kentucky's on the come, but they ain't rolling into Sanford Stadium at night against the number one team in the nation and walking out with a victory. Fuck you. It ain't happening. And I don't care if it's 19 to 17. Everybody knows it's hard to win on the road in the SEC. That's what Kirby said after the Auburn game, and that's what Kentucky's head coach, Mark Stoops, will tell you now. They're walking into a death trap. Do you know how long Georgia's waited for a night game like this in Athens? Mm -hmm. A for real one against an SEC opponent? That place is going to be rocking. That quarterback ain't going to be able to hear shit. And Georgia's hungry. The only thing that I wish would have happened, and I'm not really sure how it didn't happen after the whipping that Michigan threw on Nebraska, I was wanting Georgia to lose that number one by their name. I really wasn't. And you're like, why? Why? Because it would have been a wake-up call. I think Auburn was a wake-up call for them, but I still don't think Georgia's a bad football team. And I, and, and I know we'll talk about it. We talked about it on the past couple episodes, but look at last year. Not every game was a – there were some nail biters last year where it was like, oh fuck, shit! Everybody seems to forget Missouri and hello and Kentucky. And, and and Kentucky and Kent State. Hello, and oh by the way, 
Auburn's got a good defense. I don't know if you noticed that. Those guys play tough. And it sure does look like Hugh Freeze may have them got to going somewhat in the right direction. They got to get a quarterback. I'm not sold on Robbie Ashford or that turd from Michigan State that kept run, getting those run, Oh, that was burning Dorn. That was burning me up, man, when he kept those little keeper plays he was doing and going around the end. Or I was just like, oh, that's, my. So that's, oh, man. that's what scares me the most is uh, the – and not that they can't make up for it in other ways, but the 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 Georgia pat, uh, rush defense is not not close to where it's been. I think they're ranked like sixty sixty seventh in well, the league. Yeah, well, in the Zier staff, he said, "We don't have our moxie. We don't. We we are missing it." He goes, "We have to be better on defense." He said it. He goes, "Years past, he's like, I don't know if this team is trying to or this crew is trying to live off." the achievements of the guys that came before me goes, but we've got to establish ourselves better and we have to be better because right now we're not playing because Georgia's got a damn good defense, uh-huh. a damn good defense. Just yep. go down the roster. You just, the problem is that all I'm seeing is we're not setting the edge like we used to. Yep. That's uh, my buddy Reeves says that every Saturday. <laughs> yeah, well, but like it was just, it, it was like without question, and it got to be so, you know, you got so used to it that now it's glaring, right? Now that you're like, oh, fuck, I don't like this anymore. I don't like how this looks. Um, but, yeah, I man, I think that comes with uh, getting getting guys back healthy and, and getting the full complement back on defense. I think that hopefully that that will work itself out. Um, but I try to tell everybody too, like, I'm, I'm just, I don't know if you're watching games the same way I'm watching them. Like, was I like, Oh God, during the first half of the, uh, the Auburn game. Yeah, man. Like I was, I was like, Oh, I pretty much all until, until the Brock Bowers show started somewhere in the third quarter, I was like, God, man, like, but like, I never worried. I did because I said, uh, before that game, well, I told you I was mildly concerned and you said that's healthy. I don't think I uh, expounded on that. But I said if Georgia does not play a full four-quarter football game, we leave Auburn with a loss. And we didn't play four quarters. And, and I'm telling you, another one of those character-building games, like I said about South Carolina. But And I think I think Kentucky, I think in Kentucky, at Ken, man, I can't talk. I think versus Kentucky in Athens Saturday night, we're going to have a breakout game. We're minus 14 and a half. But I think that Auburn and that South Carolina game hopefully showed these guys something they learned a little something and i think i think kentucky very well could be a statement game at, even at 5 and 0 now could very well be like hey we're still the champions we can still beat the piss out of you yes you know it took carson some time to get settled in and and, and him and bobo and the receivers and everybody to get jiving you know the defense has got to step up well, the, but the carson beck thing too is like it's such a weird predicament to be a fan like you're in a situation now where if you look at social media, it's like the Stetson Bennett people versus the Carson Beck people. Like the people that hated on Stetson last year and the year before are the people that were are very gung ho about Carson Beck. And there's like there's a weird divide. And it's not that like that everybody still loves Georgia. But the Stetson people want to talk shit about Carson because of all the people that talk shit about Stetson and vice versa. Yeah. And it's weird because Carson Beckett has like a 74% completion percentage in all the uh in all the 
I don't know why I can't think of this. The, the analytics that that show like his decision making process has have him in like the ninetieth percentile of like making the correct decision in the correct read. Yeah, hey, trust me, he is firmly ensconced in that starting position. Kirby is more than happy with him, and as far as natural ability, as far as I don't want to use the term not having to try, but you know what I mean when I finish his sentence. As far as putting work in or anything like that, he's better than Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett really, really, really had to work hard. He really had to put the time in to get better and be Stetson Bennett. Comes a little the game and everything, the athletic ability, you know, the the, the football acumen, all that comes a little more naturally for Carson Beck. He's more of a pure pocket passer. He's more of an NFL style guy, but. He ain't walking around with two big old rings on his finger. Right. And but he so, wants one. He wants one, and I, I think he can get one. I just I mean, think, technically, he is walking around with those rings on his finger. Well, yeah, he did but. He did win them. He, he was on the team, but he you know, he wasn't the starter. I, I, and, and again, it's just ridiculous. If, if you actually started this season thinking that Georgia was just going to cruise to a national title, you're, you're, you're stupid. You're sorry. That's the thing. It's, it's, not, it's not the same. It's it's not the same at all, and you're you're seeing that you're seeing that a lot. But like you also, the last couple of years we were blessed with the ability to like these were the teams that had been together, right? This was year three and four of the teams that had been together. These guys have been playing together. This year we've introduced a lot of new pieces, mm-hmm. and then we've also dealt with injuries that have caused newer pieces to get pushed to the forefront. Mm-hmm earlier than we expected them to. So you have, you have to also understand, well, how many times are we going to say learning curve in this podcast? But, like, it is what it is. Like, I, it's never going to be an easy road. You know, those nope. very those super special seasons also, the, the, the 21 season came with a punch right in the mouth. We got punched in the mouth firmly and came back and won that one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it like it's not it's never gonna be easy. Last year, holy shit, there were some weird ass scares throughout the season, uh, but it all ended on on a high note. I don't know why people seem to forget. I remember it because I was at the Marriott Marquis, which I will be at tomorrow, watching another uh, not tomorrow night, but I check in tomorrow for my annual breast cancer walk, which will try to throw you a wave as we walk by the tailgate. I know we're a little far from it. Maybe I can veer off course and come over and say hi. But I remember watching uh, Georgia it, a little late in the fourth quarter being down by 13 in Missouri, 13 points. And I was sitting there having a beer with our good friend Donnie and some other good friends of ours, and I said, well, boys, there's a loss right there. There's our loss. You know, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to react? So, again, it's never easy. Uh, you know, Alabama, a couple of those national titles, they did cruise. I mean, they just absolutely dominated everyone, beat the crap out of everyone, but some of those they didn't. Some of them they just got uh, – they outcoached other teams. <clears throat> yeah. They they came through at the end. They they well, We are as a four-quarter team, mm-hmm. they, and nobody's going to be able to take that away because I, I think I, it's funny when they talk about we're everybody's Super Bowl now, and, like, you see that because you yeah. see – you see other teams coming out with, it seems like, much more intensity than Georgia. But Georgia has that same cool, calm demeanor in the fourth quarter that they do in the first yeah. quarter. 
So like, take that for what you will, but we are getting everyone's absolute best for as long as they got it. And we've seen it. I, I, I Look, Georgia's a good football team, but I firmly believe the biggest, one of the biggest reasons we beat South Carolina is they were so amped and so jacked up about what they were doing, they gassed themselves. Because, mm-hmm. hey, listen, you can get cranked up on adrenaline, but when it starts to wear off, you're dog-ass tired. And those boys got worn out on emotion. You saw it in Auburn this last Saturday. They're up 10 to nothing in the first, and the entire sideline is going wild because they're up 10 to nothing against the champs in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. They were they were dancing like you do at the end of the fourth when it's almost over. And I get it. You want to build hype. You want to keep the momentum. But you're expending energy. Don't think – I saw Auburn's old lineman like this, and you guys can't see me, but hands on hips. They got those – in the halfway through the second quarter because everybody wants to come out and knock the number one team, and especially because it's us. Mm-hmm. If you don't think – more because it's Georgia, because everyone hates that we're so damn good. Everyone hates they now have to live in a world where we've won back-to-back titles. You're crazy. No one likes Herbie likes Georgia and a couple of other people. But all in all, no one is happy that Kirby Smart is at Georgia doing what he's doing. They wanted Georgia to be held down and kept down, and we finally broke free, and now everyone wants to say, we took it from Georgia. Man, I will tell you, though, his press conferences are great this year. Yeah. The way he's talking this year is just fantastic. You're not getting as much. You're still getting a, a fair amount of coach speak that everybody's going to get, and everybody, all coaches are going to do that. It just is what it is. But he's uh, it, it he's uh, one of those guys, he's like hands in the air, like, I don't know what y'all want, but we're undefeated, you know? We're, we're still ranked number one in the country. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't beat him by 75 points, but uh, yeah. we'll see y'all next week. Because he's right. Yeah. And that's why I don't understand why every fan isn't looking at that and going, okay, Kirby has nothing but praise for Carson Beck. He said it. He said it's probably, he said, and I can't don't know his exact words, but to sum it up, he pretty much said he's the best quarterback he's ever been around or one of the best. And the dude's been around a lot of them. He, he's happy. He's now. When I, is he happy? Yes. Is he content? No. He said we got to get better at getting better, but he ain't jumping off bridges. He's not trying to make a trade for Mike Bobo. You don't want to fire anybody. He's not benching Carson Beck. He's pleased with the progress they're making, but he knows in order to get the job done and hoist up number three, they got a long road to hoe, mm-hmm. and they got to get better every week. And they see, he said it, got to get better at getting better, and better never rests. But you look for, I thought Auburn was one of the better games they've played this year, offensively speaking. I think, and again, I think Kentucky's a, a statement game. I think they cruise in there and just absolutely throttle the shit out of those boys. God, I hope so, because I, I just can't. Like the, like, yeah, and none of us do. Y'all, y'all worried about Kentucky? No, what? Yeah, I'm. I'm literally always worried. Okay, just so everybody knows, I'm literally always worried. The cautious optimism is like a real thing, but like I'm, I always have a sick feeling in my stomach that something could go wrong. Of course, that's I'm an optimist at heart, but like I've I've been hurt. I've been hurt plenty. And Kirby will tell you it's the SEC, man. He'll talk about what Kentucky does well. He'll talk about what they got to do to beat Kentucky. They run the ball well, which we are struggling to stop. Okay. 
and they play good defense, which is, you know, good, good for them. You run the ball and you play good defense. Those are two really good things to help you win football games. Oh, but, hey, it's only Wednesday. Georgia's got two more days to prepare. They're at home. And like I said, they've had those two – Auburn was a character-building game. That was a tough game. South Carolina, character-building game. Tough game. You know what happened at Auburn, though, right? We flicked the rust off of Lad McConkey. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lad's back. Kendall Milton was back. You know, some guys are getting back. Uh, we do have uh, Truss. I, did, I was not happy with him. He gave up on some plays in that game, uh, and I know he's a plug-in because we got guys hurt. But I, I was not pleased with his performance. I felt like he didn't finish plays. I watched him a lot, uh, and I didn't feel like he was. You see him give up on one, you follow him the rest of the yeah, game. Damn right. And he gave up on. And I did. I, I even texted some people. I said, "Man, I'm not saying the rest of the season, but I'd sit him for a series or two and say, hey, uh-uh, you've earned the opportunity to get out here, but you're you're blowing it right now.'" And he did. He was he was a source of uh, 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 concern there. Um, but again. It's a long season, and you know what? If we lose to Kentucky, so fucking what? It doesn't mean we're not going to win a third national title. doesn't mean we're not going to go to the SEC championship. It just means that Kentucky showed up and they beat us. Kentucky has beat. I think I, I think we're like 12 years running now we've beaten Kentucky, something like that. I know Tennessee's 13 or 14 years, but um, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think we lose to Kentucky simply because – we have a better team, and we're at home, and it's at night. And that play, and they're just—I mean, Georgia fans are juiced, absolutely juiced to be having this game at night. And we've got game one Saturday night. Braves play game one against uh, probably the Phillies if they uh, pull a victory tonight, or maybe the Marlins win two in a row. I think I'd rather see the Marlins win and go all the way and win the World Series before I'd like to see Philly ever do a fucking thing. I hate them so much. Them and their fucking fan base, man. Did you see the Minnesota uh, Vikings lady that filmed her journey into the stadium against the Eagles? No. They should be embarrassed. That whole fucking city should be embarrassed at the way they were treating those people. They just wanted to see their team on the road and, and they got things thrown at them, cursed at, flipped off, pushed, shoved. It, it was embarrassing. And Philly fans, you ought to be embarrassed for your, but you're not because you suck. It's a great town, but horrible fucking citizens and horrible fucking sports fans with no class whatsoever. None. You are a classless bunch of losers. I'm telling you right now, I'll give you my address. Come on down. Knock on my front door and I'll call you a classless piece of shit and slam the door in your face. Damn. I'm telling, I've had it. He's cooking with gas today, boys. I've had it with Philadelphia. I've had it with I've had it with their mouths. I've had it with their attitudes. I've had it with all of them. Fuck all of you. Not, well, okay. There's a Philly fan that hangs out around here. That's pretty seems seemingly a nice guy. And I don't think he's one of those trash people that would uh, you know eat horse shit out. Of them. You know what I'm talking about. So I'll, I'll get you get a pass because you seem that's like you, Mike. He's you, talking to you. You seem like you're a level-headed guy. But some of you 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 know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to you now. You know you've seen it. You know how classless those fuckers are. So. I'm sorry. Love your team. Don't think I've ever met you, but I, I see your Facebook post and you seem like a uh, a better class of fan than the average Philly person. But it's okay to, hey, you can hate Atlanta if you want. You can talk all the trash you want. I'll sit and have a beer with you and you can give me the business and I'll give you the business and we'll shake hands and go home <laughs> because that's what sports are all about. But it's no secret now. The cat is out of the bag. Philly is my A number one most hated fan base in all of sports. 
I, they're classless. They're just greasy, classless turds. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. I'm gonna have to have the uh, the old AirPod in one ear watching the Georgia game on the phone and. I'm, yeah, man. Once we figure out, I'll be at the Braves game. What we just got to figure out what it is. We'll have been. Uh, we'll have finished up walking about 20 miles on Saturday, and they got a great little sports bar in the Marriott Marquis down there. Um, so maybe we can get one game on one TV and one game on another. But I'm gonna be watching them both. We have a friend that's a Kentucky fan going, and boy, if things don't go our way. I may throw her off the 82nd floor <laughs> or drown her in the pool. Sorry for your luck, JB. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you've been put on notice. But, um, yeah, you know, so, again, be proud of the Braves for what they accomplished this year, even if we can't get all the way to the big one. Be proud of Georgia, even if they lose a game during the regular season. Because, look, listen, all good things got to come to an end. They're going to lose eventually. I don't know when that is. Is it this season? Maybe. But guess what? A one-loss team can still roll to the SEC title game and still roll to Houston. I know we all want we all want Georgia to keep winning and go all the way for number three and go undefeated, but can it happen? Sure. They got to keep getting better every week, and they got to not run into a buzzsaw. And, and how many buzzsaws do college football teams run into during the course of a season every year across the land? A lot of them. A lot of buzz saws. A lot of them. So, you know, and again, it's still the SEC. Even unranked Auburn could beat the pants off some of these ranked squads that are uh, sitting there if they played, you know, head-to-head. And and, and you got to, listen, get, just be good, okay? Be good. Be better. And I guess the last thing we got to mention is uh, we've got some – I'm going to finally, if I don't get to cruise by on the walk, because uh, we're going to walk right past the Tabernacle. If I don't get to do it then, the following Sunday, I will 100% be at my first Bird Gang tailgate. But also, if you look up, you'll see uh, the commissioner and I with our pinkies out because we're sitting in the booth right next to Arthur, the Home Depot booth. We have a great friend who runs a plumbing company, does a lot of work for them, uh, and they offered us uh, a couple of tickets. They got four tickets. It's our friend Justin and Jess Davis. They're, They're fine, wonderful people. And the commission and I are going to ride along, and we might take some pictures while we're up there and, uh, you know, uh, make you all feel jealous of where we're sitting because uh, I can only imagine that, uh, you know, Arthur Blank owns the team. He owns Home Depot, so I have to imagine the Home Depot suite next to him. It's got to be pretty cherry. I'm thinking. It's not going to be a dump. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So it's going to be nice. Maybe we can get a fist bump from Arthur if we can reach across the partition. You know, who knows? Never wash my hand again. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, and there's only one more thing because we are getting a little long. But, we, yeah, man, we haven't done one in a while, so we got to get you guys going. John Collins has stirred the old pot a little bit, and it makes me wonder, is he talking about Trey? Because we know Trey's got a little swag to him. We've seen the attitude. But John Collins said – it was refreshing to be in Utah where there were no egos and everybody was focused on just playing basketball. Something that I'd affect. I don't think that's you know a word-for-word quote, but he definitely stuck a little jab out there and said there's, there's no drama, there's no nothing. It's refreshing to be here in a place where we all just want to play basketball and we're on the same page. Was that a shot at Trey? I don't know. All right, man, probably. There was yeah. probably a little bit of Trey, but... 
but also it was probably a little bit of Trey, a little bit of Nate, a little bit of a little bit of everything. Like maybe maybe that's that's what caused the friction is there were there were too many egos that that were clashing. And but who knows? Everybody else should just be really worried about the fact that the you know the Hawks didn't do much in the off season. Now that's not to say that that they didn't do what they needed to do because. You know, we don't know what happened with Quinn this offseason. We don't know what what he's got planned for the guys this year. We don't know how uh, offseason workouts have gone. We don't know how p- players have improved. Uh, we're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see all that when the season starts. What what we do know is teams like Boston have gotten better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just they just added Drew Holiday and, and uh, Jesus. Milwaukee now has Damian Lillard to yeah. get the Greek freak. So, um, you, you just have to. We're gonna have to see what it is. We just we didn't do anything splashy. So so everybody thinks that you know that we don't do anything and we don't care about winning and we're not gonna spend any money and everybody wants to just focus and harp on you know Tony Wrestler and his kid and me me me. But I mean I I do understand that going into these past couple seasons. They've given you a little something to be excited about. That's where we're lacking right now, that nothing was gifted to you um, to be excited about. And to be honest, it's been a quiet offseason. Uh, even on social media, there hasn't been there hasn't been near as much to see about the team. And I'm maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, maybe if everybody was working and not worried about their social media and not worried about, you know, posting videos of them working out together or hanging out together like everybody maybe they were just getting back to work because they knew that's what needed to happen so and everybody's going to get a little bit older and a little bit better hopefully and then well, we're just going to see what it is but you know I'm looking for progress this year I can't wait to get back in the building you know how much I yeah. I love being in State Farm um yeah I, I but again I I just don't know I don't know until we get to see it I'm excited to see it but uh, I did hear one interview with Trey Young. I heard an interview with Trey Young, um, and he said that one of the things Quinn Snyder noticed in his little interim stint here at the end of last year, he's uh, that. So prior to last year, Trey um, was encouraged to work on his mid-range jumper floater game, and I don't know if you noticed it, but like the year prior, he shot a lot of threes from fucking half court. Sure. <laughs> everywhere but he was also deadly when he attacked the rim right his floater was on on point and he he uh, man he attacked the rim all the time and that his game kind of shifted last year he became a little bit more of a facilitator his his assists per game have gone up every year since he's been in the league so which is great you're you're a facilitator you're a point guard but you're also a dynamic scorer so it's it's all well and good that you're facilitating the ball, and what what we've talked about also is that you haven't had guys that can score when you deliver the ball to them. So you know your assists per game should be going up as the players around you get better, right? Yep. That's just that's just number. That's just math. Um, but they he said Quinn told him that he wanted him to get back to shooting threes, in in, in doing what he does best. Stick with what you're doing best. Don't not to stop working on the rest of your game but don't don't focus on getting closer and taking that mid-range jumper don't focus on that if you're open for three 
you shoot the three. And that is something that I've had multiple conversations with multiple people about. Like, why the fuck aren't you shooting the ball when you're wide open for three, but you feel very fucking comfortable rolling in right over half court and just launching one in weird, inopportune times? Like, make it make sense to me. But I, and I don't, I don't know what the coaches were telling him. I don't know what, what, he, he didn't do that on his own. I can tell you that he didn't make the decision to do that on his own. He was being coached and directed. I would, I would, you would have to think one hundred percent is what I'm saying. But I don't know what the game plan was for that. Why that was something that we were looking for, for him to do. And again, I don't, I don't get paid to make those decisions or to focus on all that stuff. What I do know is that Quinn Snyder is known as a savant as far as coaching or coaches go, and as far as basketball minds go. And if he, one of the first things he noticed was, I want you to go back to being that dude. Yeah. Being that dude that it just attacks. Because things things happen. Thing, that creates that creates offense on its own. Like him him attacking the rim, it it opens everything up because the, the defense collapses on Trey when Trey goes. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I trust I trust the hire of Quinn Snyder enough to be amped up about this season yeah. without having anything to go on, if that makes sense. Well, you have to be. To be a good fan, you have to be. This is the decision they've made. Snyder came in midseason. You can't judge a guy coming into midseason and taking over a squad. You can't. It's, it's, you can, but it's unfair. And and now the thing I can tell everyone, time. Give it time. Now, how much time you want to give it is up to you. But that's what I'll tell you about any I don't care if you're Atlanta sports fan, California, Texas, whatever. Time. Let things unfold. Let things happen. That's all you can do. And then management and the fan base will decide when it's time to make a change. But just because they didn't make any flashy moves this season doesn't mean they won't make a late acquisition in training camp. Doesn't mean they won't make a late signing or a trade or whatever. What I can tell you is this. Are the Hawks going to the NBA Finals this year? Absolutely, 100% they are not. Unless it's just some dazzling, miracle on ice <laughs> season, you know. Well, but that's, I mean, no. everybody said the exact same thing when we went to the Eastern Conference Finals and – not going to go back down that road, but like you, you know, anything can actually happen. Any sure, any Kevin Garnett, let them know anything is possible, but it's you do just have to see if it doesn't start out the way you were hoping it's going to start out. Like, don't, don't think that's the end of it because it, it, it's another long season with a new head coach. And again, even though he's he, he had the Desmond Ritter sample size of the end of a season to evaluate talent and, and figure out what he has to work with to move forward. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that it, people like to point out the fact that, you know, uh, Nate came in and, and they went on a run. Well, you know, Nate had been with the team. Nate knew what the team was. Nate knew all that stuff. Quinn came in completely out of left field and uh, man, again, it, I don't know what's going to happen with the Hawks this year. Last season was the Hawks giving up. Last season was the Hawks saying, Nate ain't going to get it done. He ain't the guy. Never really wanted to be here to begin with. We had to coax him into taking the job. We're going with this guy. 
wait till next year. Now, who cares about all that drama we've talked about before? I don't know anything more than anyone else. I just go about what I hear around Atlanta and, you know, talking to buddies, blah, blah, blah. All you can do as a fan, you can be unhappy if you want to, but if you're if you're a good, well-adjusted fan, you go, well, hey, the Hawks think we got what it takes to have a good, put a good squad on the floor. They think they've got a good product with Quinn Snyder and the lineup that they have. That's all you can do. Can you do anything else? I can't. Can you call Quinn Snyder? I can't. No. Nope. I don't have Tony Wrestler's fucking cell phone number. <laughs> if you, if you, you yeah. type type Hawks into the uh, the Facebooks and everything, uh, and they'll they'll all be talking about well, if if all these teams can make these trades and have these these many superstars on on their squad, then we should go get Joel Embiid right now. And I'm like, all right. Okay, cool. Superstars don't don't bring championships, by the way. Just ask the New York Yankees. Just ask the New York Mets. Ask a host of other teams that think, oh, if we just stack the whole room with talent, that's all we got to do. No, man, there's so much more than that. Chemistry, every, you know, all the things. Look at Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves. They have a wealth, but I wonder how good would these guys be elsewhere? If they didn't have Ronnie Acuna's pushing them to be better or Snickers or Washington's or the staff and organization that they have player development, I don't know. Because I'll tell you, the Braves got chemistry out the wazoo. Mm -hmm. And they got a high payroll now because they've been winning, but they still got guys that... We already won the World Series of chemistry. You know, chemistry. Chemistry, getting hot at the right time, all those things. So I don't care... If you signed fucking Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan, if you, if you got if you went to time machine, it was like, hey, come back with me to 2023, play on the Hawks. Doesn't mean they're gonna win, dude. I'd buy all those jerseys. Yeah, right. But uh, you know, I'm just you, you know, Antetokounmpo. Oh, he came to Atlanta. Oh, we've got this guy. We got that guy. We got Trey Young. If they don't get along, if they don't gel, they don't vibe. If they can't kind of predict each other's moves, dude. I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, Joel Embiid has been on my top three most wanted sure, in Atlanta sure. for a long time. But maybe he gets here and he doesn't like the neighborhood he lives in. Maybe he didn't like the city. Maybe he dates a girl and they break up. I don't know. Maybe he gets here and hangs out with Trey Young in a minute and goes, you know what, you're kind of a dick. I don't like you. Maybe he doesn't like you. Know, so, oh, there's just this bevy of crap that can happen that people, I think, don't realize. They just think it's like, oh, yeah, you just sign a bunch of good guys, get them on the court, the field. The, the rink, and you just go win. No, man. It ain't that simple. I mean, if that was the case, the Celtics would already won a couple. Points. Yeah, it's just not that simple. And I think there's so many sports fans out there that just won't, they refuse to see it from any other way of just this emotional, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know why people do it. I'll forever be dumbfounded. I'm just not going to waste much more time thinking about it anymore because it doesn't do it. It's not going to change anything. No, I'm just I, trying to tell you, like, you got to wait things out. You got to let things happen. You got to let things unfold. Like, you just got to. In people's defense, though, they see they see other teams that have, that have a, well, a good chance go out and do something to give themselves a better chance. And I think that's what it boils down to. I don't think it's all about the superstar name or anything like that, but that that's inevitably the person that you're going to get to help your team, get your team over the hump, get your team uh, to that next level. And I think that's what Hawks fans really, you know, are, are just kind of confused by the, by the moves. 
you know, and none, none of them seem to really be, you know, bettering the team or putting putting them in a position to get better, to get over that hump. It just seems like they're going to, they're, they're pushing back into that zone where they're going to be middle of the road and uh, squeak into the playoffs and, and always get that shitty draft pick uh, the following year. And then if we still play into that whole, you know, Atlanta's not a destination place for, for other players, um, that's not going to get any better unless we're winning. You know, winning changes everything. So once once we put a winning product out there, it's going to be more attractive to other people to come here. And he, and I mean even as far as like role players, stacking the team with good role players, they're they're going to other places uh, to fill out those rosters rather than coming here. So we're relying on the fact that we we're developing the guys that we have. And listen, there's a lot of young guys on this team that I'm excited about, and I hope they make the next. They they level up and they they come in this season and they're they're much better than they were the year before. I'm looking for the Jalen Johnsons and the, the AJ Griffins. I'm looking for these guys to step up and and be real, um, real competitors this year. But we'll we'll see. Again, quiet off season. You don't know a lot. Um, I'll, I'll stick with the no news is good news scenario until proven otherwise. Yeah, we'll be playing soon enough, but. What needs to happen sooner rather than later, because today is National Taco Day. I got to go out and get some tacos and take them home, or somebody's going to make me sleep on the porch. But what we want to say, as usual, as always, if you're listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with our inconsistency. Hey, we're only a little over a year into this thing. We're going to get there. We're going to keep coming back. You can't hold us down. We love doing this. We do it as often as we can, whenever we can. I'm, I'm... I'm going to keep it on the low, but the commission knows. But I'm out there hustling in the street, trying to uh, free up some time and do some things that will allow me more time to focus on this thing because this is really what we want to do uh, uh, more often than not. And we like to get paid for this, and we want we need, we, 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 we want to get good enough at this and consistent enough at this that we make Braun stand up and pay attention because I interacted with him on LinkedIn the other day, and it was just kind of weird. Because he, uh, he, uh, he, he announced that some teams were, you know, some uh, areas were going to, you know, up north and out west were going to be on Bally Sports. And I said, hey, believe in Atlanta Sports is next. And his reply was just uh, Robert Taylor, Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl. And I, I didn't know what that meant. But <laughs> anyway, it was nice to, that he that he acknowledged my comment, but I don't understand what that meant. But, yeah, that's our goal here. And uh, we, we were told when we started this thing it could take several years to get it off the ground. So if you're, We are impatient people. We, and we are impatient. But, but, but more importantly, we just want to put the best thing we can out there for you and, and, and just have good stuff and good content for you. And we're still working on that. we got busy lives. We're, we're grown men with grown men problems at times. And, uh, but we keep coming back. We keep sacrificing our time for free to give you a better Atlanta sports talk option and and if you're listening, if you're tuning in, if you're one of those uh, several dozen people that are downloading every week and, and listening, we really appreciate it. But please tell your friends. Please post about it. Get in touch with us. You're all, we're, you know, find our Facebook page. Just believe in Atlanta sports. Let us know what you want. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. We're, we're, we, we take a baby step towards being able to get our live show going that we dream about. Maybe we'll get that for Christmas this year. But for real, if you're listening. If you're an engineer. Yeah, if you're a sound engineer, production engineer, we need a third guy to help us run some of this. Uh, we uh, Mark has uh, had some uh, fish on the hook or some nibbles, and they never panned out. I don't know if we still have one because uh, we hadn't talked much uh, 
uh, other than text lately. But seriously, if you are one, come find us. We can't pay you, but you'll help us build this thing. And, and listen, that's all we're trying to do is just uh, build back better. <laughs> but seriously, though, if you're listening, when we do release, we appreciate it. Share it. Tell your friends. Help us out. Because before it's all said and done, we are going to make a name for ourselves in the Atlanta sports community, be it good or bad. Everyone's either going to hate us or they're going to love us. I think it'll be 50-50. I, I think when cool. we go to uh, sporting events in the future, we could either get a handshake or a punch in the temple. But that's the beauty of it because we're not afraid to tell you how we feel. We're not afraid to tell you the truth. And we're not afraid to tell some of you in this fan base to take a fucking hike because you're a child and you don't understand the ins and outs of the game as it is. But anyway, not going to get on that soapbox. We love you, Atlanta. Get out, support the teams if you can. If you can't get in the stadium, watch it on the big screen at the battery. Get down to the Texans game. Get out to the Georgia game or turn it on the tube. Just in any way you can, be a positive influence for this team. Go Our dogs, team. rise up, cacao. All that stuff. We will see you next time. We love you, Atlanta. We need you. We're out. Good night. Do you believe? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.